The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And last week, we talked nothing but catchers. This week, we're talking nothing but closers, and I got my buddy Ryan Roof, who handles all the reliever work uh, for the most part at Rotowire. Ryan's written uh, north of 100 reliever outlooks um, for us this season, and he's obviously got his reliever rankings on the way and everything like that. So, perfect guy to, to talk closers with me today. Ryan, how you doing? I'm good, James. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. It's been a while since I've done one of these, so. Forgive me if I'm a little rusty, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to this because you know been been working on relievers since November, and, and I'm just getting excited to release my rankings. They should be out on the site today, and um, yeah, I love talking closers. So uh, perfect. So yeah, did did I leave anything out? Like, what do you want to just let people know everything you kind of been working on the past like couple months? No, yeah, that's pretty much been it. It's been mostly reliever outlooks for the website, uh, the, the the previews for each player. Um, so chances are, I mean, I, I haven't done all the relief pitcher outlooks for the site, but chances are if you, if you are reading one, it's likely been written by me. Uh, most of the, all the main guys, basically. And, um, you know, I've been working on my closer rankings simultaneously to that and updating our closer grid. Uh, as well, just keeping up with all the transactions, updating the closer hierarchies, updating team blurbs, um, kind of previews for the 2024 season, recaps 2023. So you can find that all on the closer grid and on the site. Yeah, I love that you handle the vast majority of the reliever outlooks because it's the the same voice and the same person analyzing, you know, the entire bullpen. Um, so there's some consistency there that's, that's really nice. So really appreciate you. Uh, pumping all those uh, reliever outlooks out. Um, great time to, to sign up for your baseball subscription if you haven't already at rotowire.com. Uh, just got so much content up there, a bunch of player outlooks. Uh, obviously, Ryan's uh, reliever rankings will be live soon, and uh, my top 400 prospect rankings update will be up uh, in less than two weeks. First year player draft rankings will be up um, before. Uh, the top 400s up so um, a lot of stuff to, to sign up for our baseball subscription uh okay so let's let's get started here um is there anything you want to just sort of say before we get into just the specific relievers about the uh closer market in general 
2024 or about the way that you want to approach the leaders and saves this year? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll lay the caveat that I haven't done any drafts except for our one too early draft that we, we do with Rob DiPietro all the time. And that was back in August, uh, right before the Felix Bautista injury. And, and that's who I took in the second round. So, um, so quite fitting uh, that, that that happened right after I, I drafted him. But, um, you know, it is what it is. You just have to, you know, draft enough, enough depth in the draft champions format so you can kind of cover saves, uh, especially in the late later rounds where I usually spec on, on, on saves. But uh, um, I was looking at the past couple of weeks of draft champions ADP and and I noticed the difference in last year. There's there's not you know, without Batista, there's, there's not that like stud. I mean, there are studs, but like, there's nobody going really in the second round. Um, so at the top of the draft, the market's being a little less aggressive on saves, but through the first 10 rounds, nine rounds or so, there's more closers going, um, than there were at this time last year. So, so there's about 21 relievers going in the first nine rounds last year, there was 15. I probably, once I dive into drafts, will not take a closer, like one of the first few closers off the board. I will likely grab my first closer within that top five to 10, and then try to land another top 15 guy as my closer too. Um, and a lot of my, as I was doing my rankings, a lot of my my top 15 closers are going later than the top 15 by ADP. So I might be able to wait a bit longer on my closer too than and be happy with those results. But um, yeah, that's kind of what I've noticed early. Again, I haven't, I haven't, I've stayed away from the draft room. I'm actually really proud of myself because this time last year I was probably like 10 or 15 drafts deep already. So um, do you have anything that, that you've noticed uh, in your, cause I know you've done a couple. Um, is there anything you've noticed? Yeah, I've done, I've done five draft champions. Um... The, I think you're you're right about you're, you're definitely right about the uh, you know you don't have to really look for closers in the second round uh, and I don't think you should look for them I I ended up taking Emmanuel Classe I think at the end of the second round in that too early uh, one back in uh, August uh, but that was sort of you know just sort of a protecting myself I figured there was going to be um, a closer run and um, but now that you know, now that we've got a bunch of ADP data, uh, you should know you don't have to take a closer in the second round. Um, I'm I'm open to uh, a couple of the guys that are going top five in terms of ADP. Um, you know, I think a lot of it with the snake draft is just kind of where are you picking, uh, where do you anticipate the the closer runs happening, and what type of options will you be uh, kind of left with with your next pick. Um, but I, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get two closers in, in the top, uh, nine rounds. Like you said, there's 21 relievers with the top 135 ADP. Um, at least when I was putting this together, uh, over the last 10 draft champions, and then there's a big gap. Uh, I, I would like to get two of the, those 21 and there's certain guys that I, that I won't be drafting and there's certain guys that I'm kind of prioritizing, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think people saw, like you know, if you there's a lot of people I'm sure that that would have won their league or uh, done much better, cashed in their league if they 
have done better in saves last year. So people are always kind of looking to get better. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to be well, – we're going to get to kind of those guys after the top 21. But, um, you know, there's there's a reason there's that big of a gap. Um, it's kind of right. what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the top guy in terms of ADP is Devin Williams. Um, he's going kind of middle of the third round on average. Uh, then there's – Edwin Diaz um, kind of going late third round on average. Uh, Josh Hader going um, at the end of the third round on average. Um, did you have any thoughts on those those top three guys? Devin Williams, you know, Ed, Edwin Diaz is the one of those three that I've ended up with. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have any problems at all with Edwin Diaz being my first pitcher taken. Um, I, I like the, you know, he's, he's gone up over 110 strikeouts multiple times in his career. So like, if you're going to start with a closer over a pitcher, Diaz gives you the the type of stats that, that kind of makes that make sense to me. Um, but did you have any thoughts about those, those top three guys in terms of ADP? Yeah, I think that's the ADP is appropriate. I, I like all three. I mean, I'd be happy with any of them as my closer one, I, I'm not sure yet if I will, like I said, uh, like I'm kind of leaning towards not drafting a, a closer that early, but um, it's just because I, you know, I'm more comfortable with some of the later guys, I think. Um, and really I, I want to dive into drafts after Josh Hader signs. That's really what <laughs> putting your rankings together without Hader um, having a team yet is really hard. Uh, because he could significantly impact the rankings depending on where he signs. One guy I'm really, um, I love is Evan Phillips, which we'll cover later, but if Hader signs with the Dodgers, then that just kind of throws that out the window. So um, I, I, I'd be happy with with Hader as my, my closer one, especially. Um, I think we might have a little bit deferring opinion there, but um, he's just continues to be dominant every year. Um, you know, there, there was that period in 2022 where he was traded. He was, you know, dealing with the, some personal issues and, you know, his performance suffered as a result of, of all that. But um, last year he was just, he went three months without allowing an earned run. He's the all-time leader in K per nine opponents batting average. And, I think he's going to land on a good team. So I think there will be plenty of, you know, 35 plus saves easily with excellent stats. And the only real concern I had last year was his walk rate um, kind of blew up, but I have those same concerns with Devin Williams. Um, and, you know, he's a stud, you know, it's just the nature of his one pitch just kind of goes crazy, you know? So um, and hater slider while filthy can just, you know, can lead to a lot of balls and, and walks. So, um, yeah, I think, I, th I think the ADP is appropriate. I'd be happy with any of them, but I'm just not sure I'm going to go there at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I, right now I'm really only comfortable taking Diaz of those three, um, at, at this cost. And it's, uh, yeah, I think Williams will be, Williams will be good and hater will be good and i just uh you know taking up closer at the end of the third round i 
any tiny little factor that makes me even the, the slightest bit uncomfortable is going to weigh in on that. And I just don't know where he's going to be. I don't know how he's going to handle that big contract. Um, how's he going to handle his new catcher and his new organization and stuff like that? I'm 99% sure it'll be great. But, um, you know, I love a couple of these other guys uh, that are going, you know, a round or two later than him. Um, and, you know, there aren't any concerns there. And Edwin Diaz, you know, you know exactly what his role is going to be. You know what he's done in the past. He's obviously well-rested. Um, but then you got Emmanuel Classe here at four, Camilo Duvall at five. Uh, I kind of realized um, not by the time of that early meatball draft, but by the rest of my drafts that, I thought Doval was kind of the best value on the board among these elite guys, just because he's going the latest uh, of those top five, at least. And I think he's basically as good as, as the other guys. Um, he's just got a, a little shorter track record, I guess is probably the reason that he's going fifth, but I don't really see any flaws with Doval. I've got him in two of my five leagues. Um, you, I, I know you're probably not going after Class A there. Um, you know, he, no, I'd be okay no, taking yeah. Class A if he fell. But yeah, I think uh, he's my eighth ranked closer. Uh, right. You know, Class A is is interesting. Um, you know, I I think as far as the saves category, I think he'll be totally fine. I have projected for 35 saves. I know he's gone over 40 the past couple of years, but, um, you know, we just don't know where the guardians are going to be at, if they're going to make some moves. They, they may even actually trade class a, mm-hmm. um, which would be interesting uh, to see where he lands and if his, you know, performance improves. Um, the thing with him is just the, the, the lack of strikeouts. It's, you know, when you're looking at these other relievers in this range, like even the guys going behind them are just going to strike out so many more batters in class a, um, so while I'm not concerned about the save total, I am concerned about some of the other metrics, um, and, you know, relative to, to ADP, I just don't like, I just don't like where he's going ADP wise. Um, if he was going a little bit later, sure. I'd be, I'd be thrilled with them, but, um, you know, you're not getting the strikeouts that you would get with guys like Bednar and Romano and even like Sewold, um, strikes out way more batters. So. Um, that's why I have him a little bit lower. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's right on. Like I mentioned I do have one Class A already, but I I wouldn't do that in a in a repeat draft. Um, and I think the, the strikeouts are a big thing to point out there. Like, you know, you're always thinking about roster construction. Uh, I think more and more people are probably getting comfortable taking uh, closers higher than they had to, you know, five ten years ago. Um, but when, when you take class a at the end of the third round and you've only got like 75 strikeouts from that pitching spot, that kind of makes it tough. And, uh, you know, he's obviously shown that he's capable in the past of putting up truly elite ratios, but, uh, you know, he, he kind of came back to the pack a little bit last year, 116 whip, you know, if you're getting a whip over one, and fewer than 80 strikeouts, that makes it tough to me to kind of justify taking a guy that high, even if he has gotten 40 plus saves each of the last two years, because you're just you're kind of falling behind. 
uh, too much um, compared to the people in your draft that are taking those starting pitchers in rounds one, two, three. Um, did you have any thoughts on Duvall or do you want to just kind of echo what I said? Yeah, I, I really like Duvall. I think, I think that's exactly where I want to jump in. Um, you know, with my closer one is, is, is right, is right where he's going. Um, ADP 50 ish, 52. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm perfectly aligned with the market with him. I think there's no competition, um, for saves in San Francisco. He's got the new manager, Bob Melvin, but I think, you know, that job is his, uh, as long as he's, I think, you know, he improving his walk rate would go a long way, but, um, because I think he's got some whip issues too, but that's really the only concern. Otherwise it's, you know, they play a lot of close game in San Francisco. And so there should be plenty of save opportunities and you should get, you know, 80, 85% of them. So. So the next guy by ADP is John Duran um, with the twins and, uh, you know, he's never gotten up over 90 strikeouts. He's never gotten up over 30 saves. Um, is there, do you expect him to eclipse either of those thresholds this year? Are you okay with this ADP with him as the sixth closer off the board? Yeah, I think it's pretty close. I have him um, as my sixth ring closer. I have him projected for 30 saves, getting a 75% team save share with the Twins. Um, you know, the lack of other options uh, for saves and that in that bullpen is is kind of why I'm giving him so many. Um, I know he hasn't eclipsed that, you know, 30 save mark yet, but I think, you know, he's definitely capable of doing so. He's, um, he had 27 last year. Um, last year, his, his team save share was 71%. So if you just kind of give him a little bit boost there, it, it kind of equates to puts him at that 30 save projection mark. Um, and his upside, you know, when you throw that, that hard, um, I mean, he averaged 102 miles an hour on his four-seamer, which was an improvement um, over 2022. It's just, it's just filthy, um, you know, and his walk rate kind of approached 10% too, which is a little bit below average, but he still, you know, struck out 33% of the guys he batters he faced um, and twins should be pretty good. So I kind of like, um, his prospects for 2024. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, interesting cause you know, he's in that pocket where there's, there's a lot of other guys you could make cases for over Duran. Um, you had mentioned like Iglesias, Bednar, Romano. I mean, take it, take your pick again. I'm, I'm probably happy with any of those guys. I actually have Iglesias ranked ahead of Duran, but, um, Romano, Duran are pretty similar. Um, I'd take Duran over Bednar um, just because I have him projected for a few more saves. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think where he's going is, you know, probably appropriate given the Twins gave him more save chances last year, and that should only continue to grow. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it is it is really bunched up here, right? You got uh, Duvall, Duran, Iglesias, Bednar, um, even, you know, Alexis Diaz and Jordan Romano basically all going kind of within the same 15 picks or so. Um, yeah, this is kind of the run. This is where, right. like, the runs, like, with beginning with Class A Duvall, it's kind of like the big pocket or you want to get one of those guys. Um, so if you miss out on that run, then you're kind of, you got to be really confident with your, you know, your next set of guys that, you know, that are past, you know, the top 10. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're like totally screwed if you miss out on that run, but you just, you yeah. need to be aware of that run and like, that's your chance to get one of those guys. They're not going to come back to you. Um, so that would be, we're talking like mid fourth to mid fifth, basically, uh, yeah. of a 15 team league. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think everything you said about Duran makes sense. I'm just, again, I'm hesitant to use that pick on a guy that's never gotten up over 30 saves. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of things that these elite closers do with the the ratios, strikeouts, everything. But you know, end of the day, you're doing this to get the saves. Um, you're trying to get. Yeah. I'm I'm really hoping important part of the equation. <laughs> yeah. Like like if I get less than if I take a closer this high, <clears throat> and I get less than 35 saves, like it's it's not what I was hoping for. Um, you know, if right. you get you can still make it work if you get 30, 32 saves, but. Um, you know, ideally, when you're when you're taking one of these guys, you're you're hoping for 35 and and maybe 40 plus. Um, Iglesias, you know, any reason to have any concerns about? Him? Actually, let's talk about Iglesias and Romano together. Um, just kind of guys who've been around the block and saved a bunch of games. Um, 
you know, Glacius going about 10 picks higher um, in recent DCs than Romano. Is there, is there anything with either of these, these vets that gives you any pause? Um, I think with the Glacius, I have Glacius pretty high in my closer rankings. He's my third ranked closer and I have him projected to, to lead the league in saves with 37. Nice. Um, he may have led the league in saves last year if he didn't miss the first month um, of the season. He had that shoulder strain last year. He missed April. AJ Mentor stepped in, racked up a ton of saves that month. So um, he still, even with missing a month, finished with 33 saves, uh, which was eighth in the league. And, um, you know, he had that time off after he was traded to Atlanta in the second half of 2022, where he was kind of in a setup role and then just went right back to closing. He's just, he's just so reliable, so consistent. Um, the whip did rise last year. Uh, he had that elevated BABIP, so that might be why. Um, but, um, I think the only concern otherwise is, is his, fastball and sinker got got crushed but what he did was he changed his picks, pitch mix a little bit he he started throwing his his change up a lot more and which makes sense it's his best pitch it's his uh besides his slider so if he continues doing that if he keeps you know throwing more change ups and more sliders and kind of way fewer fastballs and the sinker got batters teed off on that they hit 519 on that pitch last year so that's bad um but he's on a great team there's a lot of teammates of his in that in that pen that could potentially step into that role if he if he falters but i i just think he's just proven he's very consistent he's been a top three closer before um so yeah i, I really really like iglesias he's probably going be one of my most rostered closers this year um yeah i and, like i like that call um yeah I, I think that that's a that's just a really fair fair price on him um you know i like exactly it's it's only you know he's only going like a few picks after deval so i still like i like the value on deval a bit more but like you can't really pick you know in a snake draft you're, you're kind of given what you're given so i, I do like the price on a place there yeah, and Romano, um, only concern I have there is he he kind of got a little wild down the stretch uh, last season. He walked nine batters over his final 17 innings, finished with a, a, a walk rate near 10% below average. Um, but he did improve strikeout rate with percentage strike, swing strike. Um, there's He's clearly the guy in that. He's clearly the closer in Toronto. Um, so I think he's pretty safe to project for for 30 or more saves um i have him for 33 i'm getting a 75 percent team team save share um so yeah i think i think they're just they're both really good i just like iglesias a little bit more just because i think he's gets a little bit more of the save share and um gets a little gets a few more saves than romano so then the guys going in between Iglesias and Romano, David Bednar, um, Alexis Diaz, Bednar of the Pirates, Diaz of the Reds. Uh, I ended up with Bednar in that too early meatball one. Um, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't take Bednar over Iglesias or Romano. Um, I probably would take him over Alexis Diaz. What, what do you think about those two guys in the, in the central, uh, obviously Diaz, 
really kind of broke out last year, at least with the strikeouts and the saves, uh, a lot of walks as well. But um, I know you mentioned you might not take Bednar there just due to your saves projection on him. Um, anything on Diaz? Yeah, I have a, I, I have um, Bednar over Diaz. Um, I have Bednar for 28 saves, Diaz for 29. Um, I'd, I'd be um, trying to think if I'd be comfortable with either of them as my closer one. Probably. I think I'd be okay with them, but um, I'm probably going a different direction there. Like, I, I really want to get one of those guys, like Iglesias Romano. Mm-hmm. Um Duvall. So to you, there's there's a bit of a drop once. Yeah, once you pass yeah there's Durant. a little bit of a drop. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I just don't see Alexis repeating what he did last year. The Reds had a save in almost 65% of their wins last year. That was the fifth highest mark by any team over the last six full seasons, um, obviously excluding the 2020 season. Uh, and the average last year was 51% uh, save was recorded. Um, so I expect their save total as a team to drop significantly. I have them projected as a team for 41 saves. Um, Diaz tallied 37 of the Reds' 53 saves last year, which was only a 70% team save share. So if we give them 70% of 41 saves, that's 29 saves. So that's kind of how I landed on that number. Uh, plus they signed Nick Martinez, Emilio Pagan, They've both seen ninth inning work in the past. They're certainly capable of doing so. Pagan had a great season last year. Martinez, um, very flexible uh, within his role. Um, and another thing is just Diaz just kind of wore down at the end of last season. I think, um, you know, he had a career high 71 appearances, walks too many batters, fly ball pitcher, bad home park, all those things. So I probably won't be have any Diaz shares this year with, with if this ADP sticks where it's at. Um, yeah, I, I won't either. Um, I mean, he's, that was an awesome pick if you got him last year, obviously, but um, yeah, I think everything you mentioned, like, you know, especially the uh, percentage of, of wins that ended up being saved for the Reds last year. That's really good to point out. And uh, you know, I mean, this guy just like lives in the 12 to 13% range with his walk rate. So yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely blow up potential any given game, especially in the home games. Um, yeah, and I was off of him last year, and I was like dead wrong um, for yeah. all the same reasons. Um, but this year, I'm sticking to that. Like, that I, I just I don't see how he he exceeds what he did last year, and he had nine wins too, so that kind of boosted his value. Um, but so you know, Ryan Presley is the eleventh closer off the board roughly on average um, via recent uh, draft champions data um, followed by Paul Seawald. They're basically going right next to each other. Um, you know, 83 overall, 84 overall, that kind of range. Uh, I've ended up with Seawald uh, as my closer two actually in the one draft. Um, and then Andres Munoz goes about half a round after those guys. Uh, who I've also ended up with in one draft as a as a closer to. Um, what do you think about Presley, Seawald, Munoz here making up the kind of you know these guys are still getting treated as as closer ones by ADP. Yeah, I don't have Munoz as a closer one. I think he hasn't gone um, 
he hasn't received more of a more than a 50 percent team save shape team save share yet um i have him projected for 50 percent of the mariner saves which amounts to to 23. um so it's still solid but that's that's not a closer one um and presley i am projected for 27 saves getting 65 percent of the the astros saves uh i love brian abreu and this is this is kind of why i'm down on presley i have presley ranked 15th in my closer rankings so a little bit lower than where he's going relative to adp but um you know presley's interesting because um you know he's getting up there in age he's he's had some some il stints in the past he he didn't go on the il last year um was very effective uh had certain like stretches of dominance so it's certainly within realm that he could he could pay off that pick even more but um I don't know. I just, I think there's cause for concern there. He had a uh, career worst 43 and percent hard hit rate, um, fourth percentile average exit velocity strikeout rate dropped by 8.3 percentage points is lowest since 2017. So, um, there's just signs of decline there. Um, and there was, you know, the, the health concerns, you know, prior to last year. So I'm, I'm probably going to be out on him. Seawald, I, I really like. Um, he's my ninth ranked closer. And, um, you know, D-backs are a great team. I think um, his, you know, he struggled in the World Series, but I think otherwise he was pretty reliable for them. 13 saves after the trade to Arizona. I think if you combine his... Uh, saves with Seattle plus his saves with Arizona, his save share would have been 80%, which would have been fourth overall among, among closers. So that's really kind of the first season. He's kind of like taken the primary closer role and ran with it. Um, and, you know, Kevin Gingles, Kevin Gingles, pretty good. Scott McGuff is there. Um, who's closed before, but kind of settled into a multi-inning reliever role. As the season went on, kind of had some blowups early in the season. Not much competition, so so I, I kind of like Seawold a lot, um, and I've been projected for thirty saves. So um, yeah, I, I like Seawold. Yeah, I mean he's a great value where he's going. Seawold, um, love love everything you mentioned. Just with kind of it's a, it's a clear bullpen hierarchy there, and. Uh, you know, also also a good auction target, I think, as well. Um, oh, perfect! Yeah, definitely. What 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 went into you giving Munoz only fifty percent of those saves? Obviously, like we we're gonna talk about, we could talk about Abreu and Brash here too, if you want. Since we're talking about Presley and Munoz, but like Brian Abreu, Matt Brash, basically the only two setup men getting drafted inside the top three hundred right now. Uh, you know, obviously. Presley's been the closer in Houston. Abreu's been awesome while Presley's been the closer in Houston. Um, Munoz has not had that same track record that Presley has of, of getting all those saves with Brash in the setup role. Um, but the drafting public certainly disagrees with your 50% projection. Like I, the league where I took him, like I'm 
I'd be pissed if he only got me 22 saves. Um, so what, what kind of factored into that? Um, is it just sort of a nod to just how good Brash has been? That's part of it. I think the other parts where I'm, I'm kind of um, a little bit more pessimistic on his save projection is, is the injury risk. He, he missed two months last year after a shoulder sprain. Um, obviously the TJ injuries in the past, and after Seawold was traded, he recorded slightly over 50% of Seattle's saves. He had 11 of their 18 saves after the trade. So um, he had 13, finished with 13. Um, whiff rate is 99th percentile, high ground ball rate. He, he added a sinker, so um, his ground ball rate spiked. Um, I just think there's others, you know, Brash. I, I just really love Brash. Justin Topa, not really a big strikeout guy, but he stepped in for a few saves on occasion. Perlanda Barrow is there. If he kind of, you know, gets gets out of, uh, you know, handles his control issues, he could kind of emerge as kind of a dark horse in Seattle's pen. So it's really just a combination of all those factors. And, and certainly I could look silly for projecting for 23 saves, but I just think there's a lot going against Munoz and I was, you know, I was a huge Munoz guy a couple years ago. Um, and you know, I just don't like the ADP is basically where it settles for me. Yeah. I mean, I think where, where I took him, um, all the guys we'd already talked about are, were gone. Um, and as we're about to get into here, I do not like this next group. Um, so that, that was sort of, that sort of went into it. Um, there are some guys, uh, one guy in particular, who's really shot up my personal rankings. Um, so I, I doubt I'll end up with Munoz again, but this next group of guys, uh, Ryan Helsley, Pete Fairbanks, Tanner Scott, all going kind of right around pick 100. Uh, you know, Helsley was one of the bigger busts in terms of, uh, just closers returning value last year uh, due to injuries. He's never saved 20 games. He's only thrown over 50 innings in the big leagues once. Um, so I know he's been awesome uh, the last two years when he's been healthy, but uh, can you get behind Helsley going around pick 100? Um, Yes and no. Uh, he ended the season really strongly last year. He he recorded seven of the Cardinals' final eight saves, and um, 0.77 ERA, 0.86 WHIP, 19 to six K to walk over his final 11 and two thirds innings. So that just kind of, you know, it, it's kind of a, a nice refresher of what his upside can be. Um, had he not ended the season that strongly, I probably just wouldn't have even uh his adp wouldn't really be here i don't think um but yeah i mean weighing that upside against the risks is is difficult um like you said he's yet to post a 20 save season he missed two and a half months last season with a forearm strain um he just throws really hard i mean there's it's it's tough so um i love helsley i have him similar to Munoz projected for 50% just because at, with 21 saves, um, 50% for St. Louis. So 
I'm just a little bit behind the market on where I have them at. I have them 19th in my rankings. There's just a couple other guys I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable with. Um, Kimbrell being one, now that he's with Baltimore, um, pretty clearly the guy I haven't projected for more save. Tanner Scott is an interesting case too. Um, you know, he struck out over 100 guys last year. He's really kind of broke out. Um, nine wins. Um, was second in the NL in games played, um, 78 innings, which was sixth among relievers. And then finally, um, after being like a whip killer for all of his career, he, he posted a career best 099 whip. So, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot to like there. It's just, can he repeat and sustain that level of, of success? I think, I think by now we know the strikeouts are a lock, but you know, will the ratios plummet? Will he still get the majority of saves in Miami? You know, there's other options there that could pretty easily step into that role, in my opinion. So um, I think it's a risk worth taking, but it's definitely a risk, which is kind of where, you know, I temper the saves projection a little bit. Yeah, you know, with the with these three guys, it's really just – it's about the saves total to me. Um, like Fairbanks basically – everything went like that. That was about as good of a Fairbanks year as anyone could have hoped for just from a volume standpoint, um, career high 45 and a third innings from Fairbanks last year, got you 25 saves. Um, you know, he very easily that, you know, he's thrown fewer than 30 innings in three of his five seasons. Um, and then Tanner Scott, like, like you said, the ratios, the strikeouts were, were great last year. Um, but, you know, just really like cut his walk rate almost in half um, compared to his career norms. And then, you know, if, if Tanner Scott ever gets dealt, does he's, he just doesn't strike me as the guy where it's like he gets traded and he just goes right into the team's closer role. Like, you know, he's 20 saves in 2022, 12 saves last year, but not an established closer like an Emmanuel Classe or Josh Hader where you just you know that they're getting the saves wherever they end up. Um so yeah with with Helsley and, and Fairbanks for the my durability concerns, Tanner Scott, I just I don't think uh I don't think the Marlins are gonna be very good. I think they could trade him. So all three of those guys I have concerns about I have significant concerns about them getting me to 30 saves. Um but the guy you mentioned uh Craig Kimbrell, like I haven't done a draft since Kimbrell signed uh, with Baltimore, but I have extreme FOMO on not having any Kimbrell. Um, just couldn't have ended up in a better spot. And uh, <clears throat> I think people might, you know, you, you had to be kind of paying attention, but Kimbrell's been really awesome for, for large stretches. Um of the past few seasons, there've been some hiccups in there. Uh, as you're going to allude to, he hasn't gotten uh, up over 25 saves either of the past three years. Um, but to me, like I look at the fit in Baltimore, um, Yanier Cano was, was kind of the incumbent uh, with Felix Batista out, but Cano's a guy that I, I think they're really mostly comfortable with using him against righties. So I just don't see him cutting into Kimbrell's, saves really much at all um and so to me 
like a borderline. I don't even know if I'd say borderline. Like I, Kimbrel would be in my top 10 personally at this point. Yeah, Cano only recorded four of Baltimore's nine saves after Batista's injury. So I think it's clear they, they you know, he'll he'll get some save changes. I think I haven't projected for seven, but um, I think, you know, Kimbrel is the perfect veteran to come in for one year till Batista's healthy and, and just, he's he's been so, he was so good last year. Like I was trying to, I, I don't go on, X much anymore or Twitter much anymore. But um, the times I did last season were just a, to, to really say how awesome Kimbrel was uh, <laughs> for the Phillies. He was just so good. Um, and I have him, um, you'll see on my closer rankings that, that will be released later today. I have him ranked 18th. Um, I considered him ranking him higher. Um, I gave him a 55% save share for Baltimore, but I, that could easily be 70 plus percent, which would definitely cement him in the top 10. I, I think, um, you know, he, he almost struck out a hundred guys last year. He had eight wins. Um, it's just even, um, I think the circumstances are a little bit different. Uh, the past three years, he hasn't had more than a 57% save share for any team he's played, he's pitched for. So that's kind of where I tempered his save projection a little bit. Still, even with 55%, he, I, that's 24 saves. Um, so if you bump that up to 70%, you're looking at, at 30 plus, and then you're you know look, probably in the Sewell range, Bednar range. Yeah, I kind of look at, to me, um, like if you know, I'd probably take Iglesias, Romano, and Sewald over him, uh, but I think I would take Kimbrel over. Um, I think I'd take him over Bednar. I take him over Alexis Diaz. I take him over Presley. Um, yeah, I mean, I so yeah, I I'm very high on very high on uh, on Kimbrel at this point. Um, and just, you know, perfect, you know, obviously we like the landing spot because of the depth chart where they were clearly shopping for a closer, but I mean, love, love the context for any pitcher with Baltimore, just given the Adley, the defense, the park. Um, yeah. The, the one concern with Kimbrell is, is the, the hard contact he allows. He, he gave up 10 home runs last year, which, you know, was a career, career low for him. Um, and you know, he had walk issues too. He, he walked 10, 10% of the batters he faced, but he still finished seventh among qualified relievers and strikeouts and 15th in K minus walk percentage, despite that high walk rate. So just shows you the upside he has. Um, he, he, he did also have trouble adjusting to the pitch clock. Uh, his 13 violations were most by a reliever. Um, but, you know, another season, that's probably expected to go down. I, I wouldn't be too concerned with that. And he's he's just been really dominant. So, um, so yeah, we, I, I really like him too. We we touched on uh, we kind of mentioned in passing the fact that we don't know where Josh Hader is going to sign. Uh, the Guardians could trade Emmanuel Classe still this offseason. Uh, and then we come to. Um, the Dodgers and Yankees bullpens, um, which you kind of listed as two of the top candidates to bring in um, Hader potentially. Uh, 
you know, we've got Evan Phillips, who's been great. And seems like the main concern is just, will he have the full job? And then uh, Clay Holmes um, with Clay Holmes has like a one thirty-ish ADP um, going 19th among uh, closers. Evan Phillips going 17th with like a 110 uh, recent draft champions ADP. Uh, so like you're not drafting right now. Um, so you don't have to really consider this, but how much concern should people have with Phillips and Holmes just with sort of the, the pieces still on the board? Yeah, it's definitely a concern. Like I love both Phillips and Holmes, but if Hater signs either, and it's not just Hater. There's, you know, Roldis Chapman who was almost you struck out 100 guys last year. There's Robert Stevenson who showed he could potentially be a closer last season. There's David Robertson who's very experienced, could easily step into that role um, in the ninth inning. So there, there's a lot of guys that could potentially impact. Uh, uh, both Phillips and Holmes's role here. Um, if either Holmes or Phillips are end up being like the 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 closer, primary closer for their team because they're not getting full runs, um, I just love the the ADP where they're going for them. Um, Phillips especially, he's just led qualified relievers in WHIP each of the past two seasons. Had twenty four saves last year, um, even getting only 54% of the Dodgers saves. Um, he he was kind of frustrating in that he went long stretches without recording a save, but even without the saves, he was still valuable for fantasy purposes. He's just respectable strikeout rate. Um, average exit velocity was above average. Uh, he, he was just good. And if you could guarantee 30 plus saves, he'd be at, he'd be a top five closer. So the fact that he's going, um, you know, 16th, 17th among closers, I think there's, there's just opportunity for um, just value there uh, at the end of the season, if he, you know, gets 20 plus saves. So um, same with Holmes. I just think he's pretty underrated. Um, you know, Boone said he wouldn't be like his exclusive closer and he wasn't. Um, he actually had the same save share as Phillips did for the Yankees, 54.5%, um, 24 saves just, but he's just very good. Otherwise, um, 66% ground ball rate, elite barrel rate. Um, I don't know. I just, and with Boone back, I, I think he's just locked into that similar role. So, um, but haters, yeah, any, any of those guys are would be a concern if they sign with New York or Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, I, other than diehard Yankees fans, I was probably following Clay Holmes as closely as anyone last year. Um, just given how many Holmes shares I had and it did, it just seemed like it was kind of week to week with how much they trusted him in the ninth. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I kind of want us to get to like mid March and have all these guys off the board uh, with new teams before right. I consider Holmes at his ADP. I just, I just have it in the back of my mind that the Yankees are going to look for another option there. Just, but 
Um, yeah, you know, I, and I it's agree realistic. I mean, Hater's going to command more than Edwin Diaz got on his contract, and who are the teams that realistically can afford to pay him that? I mean, it's going to be the Dodgers, the Yankees, you know, possibly the Cubs. I mean, I don't know. There could he sign with like the Twins, their Cardinals, Tiger? Like, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just think. I don't know. It, it is a it is a real concern. So he just needs to sign, and then we can adjust rankings and adjust our ADPs accordingly. Yeah. Um, now the twentieth closer on the board <clears throat> is my. I think he's my most rostered uh, closer two, and that's Kenley Jansen, who's going, you know, less than a pick on average behind Clay Holmes, <clears throat> and the thing that I love about Kenley is just that the saves category to me, I think Kenley's got a leg up over Holmes. He's got a leg up over uh, really a lot of the guys that we talked about. If, if I were projecting saves, I'd feel pretty good about giving Kenley uh, 30 plus. Uh, what do you think about him? Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, obviously one of the most decorated closers in, in history. Um, he recorded his 400th career save last May Made the all-star team, he finished with 29 saves, um, and he's the active saves leader right now. Uh, but he uh, had various ailments he dealt with last year, back issue, knee issue, hamstring, um, COVID, um, required the trip to the IL. So that's where I'm a little... Um, concern is just, you know, he's getting up there in age, he's, you know, dealing with a little bit more, um, you know, bulkiness. I mean, I'm, I mean, I just turned 40 this year and it's just, it's, maybe it's just a mental thing, but like, I just, my like knees are like always shot. My back's always hurting. It's just, it's crazy, but uh, I don't know. It's, uh, He's certainly capable of another 25 plus saves. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. I think I have him projected for 24, which is 60% of Boston saves, um, which puts him right like around closer, you know, the 20th closer. I have him 22nd. Um, so I, I would not be hesitant to draft him as my closer, too. It's just, you know, he's just not my favorite. I just th see him kind of on the downside downswing of his career and uh his whip was not good last year one two eight so which which was his worst of his career so um just the the buildup of all those concerns you know is just something to be be mindful of but um he's definitely the guy i mean in boston i guess they could trade him i think this is the last year of his his deal with them so if they're kind of falling out of it, they could probably end up moving on from him. But uh, um, yeah, I mean he he's one of those guys though where it's it's just given given the contract. Uh, I don't know. Like, can you picture a a team trading for Kenley at the deadline and then like putting him into the seventh or eighth inning role on their team? Like. No, yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe last, maybe the Dodgers, maybe he goes back there. I don't know. Um, we'll see, but yeah, I, I definitely don't see that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. At, at this, I think it's getting fact. I think all the risk factors are are more than priced in here. Um, you're, you know, we're 
with Kimbrel uh, potentially aside, um, you know, Phillips great ratios. Uh, but like, you know, this is kind of the range where you're, you can't bank on the elite ratios and the right. elite strikeouts. And you're, you're really just trying to get those 30 saves. saves. Yeah. As good a bet as anyone. Um, now, yeah, out of all the closers going in this range, he's probably, probably the safest one to get 30. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you're not, it's, it's kind of um, the upside in terms of just, like Kenley's probably not going to finish as like a top five closer or something. Like you could, you could dream on like a crazy, healthy, awesome season where like Helsley or Fairbanks or you know Phillips or Kimbrel finishes like a top five closer. But um, Kenley, I think he just he gets you what you want here. Um, Albert Alzale is the last of the relievers that are going in that top one thirty five uh, with the Cubs, and uh, then there's just a massive gap. Um, it's like a four round gap basically until we get back into the closer pool. Um, I've been open to the idea of, of ending up with Alzale. Uh, I, it, I haven't ended up with him. I, I was actually going to take him and diversify things, uh, with not getting too much Kenley, but someone took him ahead of me and I ended up with getting Kenley again. But, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're out on Alzale. Is that mostly due to just, the Cubs looking like one of the more obvious landing spots for one of these, these free agents. Um, yeah, that's part of it. With that's this. certainly part of it, but I think um, the injury risk is too high for me. Um, he ended the season with a forearm strain um, that apparently wasn't serious, but he's missed time each of the past three seasons with various injuries. And, um, you know, on the upside, the, he tallied 21 of the Cubs 23 saves from the point he took over in June through August. So, I mean, that's a pretty dominant share of the duties. Um, and he was very effective. He, he, he has a nice slider. Um, he has a six pitch arsenal, um, not an elite strikeout rate, but still above average good walk rate. So, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot to like with Osley. I just don't think, um, yeah, I think one, the Cubs would be looking for for other options for the ninth inning, and two, it's just that the health is too concerning for me. So I have him projected right now for um, twelve saves, which is thirty percent, um, which puts him down pretty far in my rankings, thirty third. So I, I won't be drafting him unless the Cubs don't make any other moves. Then um, he would certainly move up in that case. Yeah, I mean, if the Cubs don't make any moves, he's just going to be the guy that, uh, you know, I know when we get to, like, late March and it's kind of like main event time, um, like, all these guys are going to get, like, Kimbrell's going to go higher. If if Phillips and Holmes are, are the clear guys, they're going to go higher. Um, everyone's just going to get pushed up. And, like, Alzale, there's going to be a closer run and someone's going to, like, um, hold their nose and, and take Alzale there and, yeah. Then there'll be a, a few rounds where no closers go, potentially. Um, we've got a, a bunch of guys here. Alex Lang with the Tigers, Jose Alvarado with the Phillies. Uh, we'll we'll touch on the San Diego situation, but Robert Suarez was kind of going right around here, um, around pick 200. 
Jose Leclerc with the Rangers, uh, Mason Miller, who's kind of his own case uh, with the A's, Carlos Estevez with the Angels, and then back-to-back Nationals uh, going in the 200s, Kyle Finnegan and, and Hunter Harvey. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think about this glob of kind of, you know, there's, there's a few of these guys where there's something to like, but there's a reason why these guys are all going where they're going. Yeah, I think I think I would grab a share, at least one share each of Jose Alvarado and, and Mason Miller. But other than that, there's I I don't I don't really want anyone else. <laughs> it's just uh it's just a an ugly group. I think again, you know, Leclerc, I think the Rangers again will be looking similar to the Cubs, Alex Lang. He he lost the role last year for a bit and then got it back like like a week later <laughs> it's really weird uh it's just the walk rate is just so high um suarez just can't stay healthy estevez in the final year of his deal i don't see him you know angels being competitive i think you know he's probably going to get a bunch of first half saves and they'll trade him and then he probably won't close wherever he lands so there's just nobody here i'm i'm really interested in yeah i'm not gonna I'm not going to end up with any of these guys. I don't think Um, it's one thing that I thought was interesting is just how wide the draft range is with these guys. Um, You know, Alex Lang's gone as high as 140. Uh, Alvarado and Suarez uh, have gone as high as like 166. Leclerc went as high as 101. Uh, Mason Miller's gone from 170 to 332. Uh, Someone took Carlos Estevez as high as 158. So like you see, you can see like, these drafts unfolding where people are panicking and grabbing these guys ahead of where they need to. Um, but I just, you know, Jose Alvarado, I look at uh, like steamer has Jose Alvarado. Um, not that I mean, we're not relying on steamer for reliever projections necessarily, but they have uh, Alvarado leading all relievers with 97 strikeouts. Um, that would be, by far a career high for Jose Alvarado, who's never struck out more than 81 batters and he's never saved more than 10 games. So like, you know, the projections are saying Alvarado's an elite guy that should definitely be taken here, but uh, his track record doesn't really say that. And Mason Miller, again, you know, there's, there's a lot to like um, in terms of his upside on a per inning basis, but how many saves are you getting? Is it worth using a, a pick in this range for a guy that might be getting you fewer than 15 saves? Um, just all reasons why I'm, I'm probably staying clear of these guys. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the reason you take them is for their strikeout upside, both of those guys. And, you know, and that's, but if you, if you need the saves, then, you know, you're probably looking at, at other options. So, and, and hopefully, honestly, you've got your saves at this point, uh, or yep. at least you've, you know, you're not, it's just not a good feeling to be like, oh man, I, I got to grab Kyle Finnegan or I got to grab um, Carlos Estevez here because I don't have enough saves. Um, not yeah, saying exactly. You, you said it perfectly too. Like, I think those, those early picks on those guys were panic picks. Like, Oh, I don't have enough saves. I got, let me just grab Estevez here and, um, you know, hope for 25 plus, but I, I don't think that's realistic. So, um, what we're going to do now, we kind of touched on Brash and Abreu already. I don't, I think we kind of hit on all that. Um, but those are the, those are two guys that are still going inside the top 300. Although um, with them, 
you know, you're very confident in the, the ratios and the, the strikeouts and just a question of what are you getting with, with saves. Um, I, I do have an Abreu share. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite relievers in the game. It's just, you know, it's a question yeah. of. He's my favorite non-closer. Yeah. I, I want all the Abreu if I can. It, yeah. you know, honestly, it, it was, uh, it was weird. I, I had him in my main event last year, um, and I ended up dropping him. Um, I think towards the end of the first half, just because you know he he. It's tough when you when you're a seven man bench and the guy's not getting wins or saves consistently. Um, it can be tough to carry those guys. So I mean, you you yeah, you got to kind of know what you're getting into there and. Um, it's almost nice. You almost kind of want to take. Like I found, I regretted taking Abreu because I I, I left the draft with like four relievers and he was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. But I almost like the idea of getting Abreu or Brash more, if you are sort of just planning on fabbing your second closer or something like that. Um, just because yeah, it that makes sense. If you're taking Abreu as your third reliever or fourth reliever, it's just you you end up having. Um, fewer bench spots for, for other, other stuff, but, um, okay. So Ryan, we've been, I've, I've been doing this gimmick here, uh, where, uh, me and the guests look at players at a position going after pick 300 and we mention a, a few of our favorites. So with you coming on, I thought we would touch on relievers going past pick 300. Uh, we aren't going to limit it to just one though. We can each list a, a few of our favorite guys here. Um, I'm sure you've got more than a few you'd like to mention, but uh, that's what people need the Rotoar subscription for. Uh, who who's a who are some guys that are going past pick 300 um, that you're interested in at cost? Primarily for me, uh, Orion Kirkring from the Phillies. Uh, he's really um, high upside reliever. Uh, he started last season in. in single A and then ended up pitching high leverage innings for them in the NLCS. Uh, Clearly nothing else to prove in the minors. Uh, It's just got such a unique um, sweeper um, with huge vertical break that he throws kind of more um, at a faster velocity than than normal sweepers sliders uh, are thrown at. So uh, I just think he's got a ton of upside. He's my top closer in waiting uh, right now on the site. He, I have him projected for more saves in Alvarado. Um, I think he's my 24th ranked closer. Um, I have him projected for, for half the Philly saves with 21. So I really like him where he's going in the let, you know ADP. Let me just jump in before you give anyone else. Um, so yep. one of mine was going to be uh, Jeff Hoffman, who's in the same bullpen, um, mm. but going. You know, Hoffman I think has been sort of trending up um, since Kimbrel didn't come back to to the Phillies, just in terms of his ADP. But kind of had been going almost two hundred picks after Kirkering, um, and this is one where like I think. It's not even like a saves play necessarily, although Hoffman, I don't think it's hard to squint and see a path to saves with him. But like, just based on what he showed in one season with the Phillies, like he does kind of look like a relief ace to me, um, sort of in that Abreu brash type of mold. Uh, he's never 
saved more than uh, six games in a season, or uh, he's never saved more than one game in a season. Um, so that, you know, again, you're not necessarily getting saves there, but do you think it's Hoffman as kind of the guy that is most trusted to get those tough outs in like the seventh and eighth, and then like Kirk Kering could end up being the guy that just is getting getting that opportunities in the ninth? Um, or do you see a path for Hoffman to maybe get those saves? Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, the, you know, Rob Thompson has shown in the past, he's, he's mixed and matched in the ninth inning before. So it could be, you know, all three Hoffman, Kirk Ring, Alvarado, uh, even Soto, Gregory Soto, uh, Dominguez has saved games in the past a little. I don't think he's probably that's his role this in 2024. Um, so it could be a lot of these guys. Um, Hoffman in particular, I think is a great call, especially, you know, if his, you know, his ADP will probably rise, um, but um, he just saw huge spike, uh, spike in velocity, especially on a slider. Um, it just led to excellent results, career high, 33.2% strikeout rate, best ratios of his career. So, yeah, I think he's he's certainly uh, one of those guys that could get ninth inning looks. Yep. I think it's So who is your next guy? Um. Next guy is David Robertson. He's currently a free agent. He's also going to be 39 this season, I think, uh, maybe even 40. Um, it's possible he retires, but um, he's still shown he can be effective uh, in the league. I mean, he last two seasons, he kind of ended the season uh, poorly, but, you know, the first half he's been, he was really good um with the cubs in 2022 and then really good with the the mets last season before his trade to miami it's just those trades just i don't know kind of threw him off a little bit i think um and he just kind of struggled down the stretch but this is a guy who's saved 18 games last season 20 games in 2022 so i think um depending on where he signs if at all i think that could be you know he could see a big big jump in adp if he lands in in an ideal spot. So really like him. Uh, Another guy um, really like is Scott A. Frost from the Yankees. He's only been taken once in the last three weeks of draft champions leagues, which seven, seven leagues. Um, Don't forget about him because he was an up and coming reliever um, prior to his Tommy John surgery in 2022. He missed all of last season as a result, but um, I think he's, going to, as long as he's healthy, going to immediately step into high leverage innings for the Yankees. I think um, he's could be a closer. He doesn't have like an elite strikeout rate, but it's above average. Um, doesn't walk many batters and his ratios have been good uh, thus far in his career. So that's someone not to forget about. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's I, a really good, that's a really good call on, on Efros. Like he's just been kind of out of sight, out of mind, but um, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind grabbing him like with my last pick if I ended up with Clay Holmes, um, and sort of along those same lines. In the one draft where I took Jordan Romano, I grabbed Eric Swanson, um, just as like a handcuff, just because he was so he's so he's pretty cheap. Um, you know, it doesn't mean it's definitely Swanson if Romano goes down, but uh, Swanson's ADP is like in the middle of the five hundred, so I've I've grabbed him as sort of a, a handcuff as well. Um, I also I don't mind Kirby Yates going kind of in the late 500s. Uh, obviously has closer experience. He's currently in a bullpen where it's you know it's Jose Leclerc, 
Um, and then there's just not much else in terms of guys that have, have ninth inning experience and Yates has walked too many guys the last few years, but 80 strikeouts last year, I could see a path to him maybe getting that Rangers closer gig at some point this season. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think he's, he's near my top 40 closers. I haven't projected for 12 saves for the Rangers. Um, obviously that could change depending on if they make any other moves to address the bullpen. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's a, that's a great you, value, potential value uh, compared to where he's going right now. So for sure. You want to close things out um, sort of breaking down how you see that Padres bullpen playing out? Yeah. Um, so they just signed Yuki Matsui. Um, ADP was post 300 for a while. His, his latest um, draft champions was uh, 129. So kind of in that uh, range um, of Jansen, Alzale, Holmes. Um, I think he's, I just have trouble seeing who else would close there? Um, I know Robert Suarez has experience uh, closing in Japan, but he has not been able to stay healthy. Um, he's also, um, I don't know, I, he wasn't really effective when healthy um, either last year. So um, Eniel De Los Santos was someone they recently acquired from the Guardians. Um, I don't really see him as a closer either. So it, I mean, it's, I guess, I don't know, they could, they could still add people. Um, but I think Swart or sorry, Matsui is, is, is right there. Um, I have him 16th in my closer rankings with, uh, 28 projected saves. So I, I know you mentioned he went in his most recent draft pick 129. Um, we also got news this morning that they're, uh, Closing in on a deal with Wusuk Go or Wusuk Gu, um, but uh, he's coming over. Uh, and I got a message from Tim McLeod about that this morning. So, you know, Padres seem to like getting their relievers from overseas. Um, but so you like Matsui a lot. I, I cannot, I just can't picture his ADP settling. I know he went 129. I don't think you got to take him there, do you? Like, especially with them bringing in another reliever, like where would you be kind of circling as like, this is, this is the spot where taking Matsui makes sense. Like if you're kind of playing chicken to some extent. with ADP. Um, I think that's pretty much where I would, I would put him is like 125 ish. Yeah. yeah. I think I would put him right in that range because um, you know, if, 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 Kimbrel's kind of going there. Holmes, Jansen, you know, I think I'm, you know, anyone's probably going to be a little bit more comfortable with them just given their, their big league track records. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I think that's probably where he settles and might even go higher. I mean, if the Padres don't do anything else, I, you know, maybe he creeps up to the late or early one hundreds. Um, kind of the, the Fairbanks, Scott, Phillips range. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd be comfortable taking him there, but um, if it's round 125, 135, you know, I'd be willing to gamble on it. Well, maybe uh, maybe just keep waiting on the drafts. Um, 
maybe the hater free agency prolongs a little bit and we can get a bit more clarity on Matsui's cost um, currently because I just, I think people have, like there was like a report about Suarez still being the guy. Like I just, I think there's still some uncertainty um, there. So I, I don't know. I That just, the fact that you're considering Matsui that high just kind of affirms to me that I need to keep being aggressive on my closers that are going ahead of him. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And it's, it all depends on what the Padres do from here on out. I mean, if they add, keep adding to the bullpen, that's then, you know, I'm not going to be as optimistic about it, but right now as the bullpen stands, I don't see anyone else making real, like a ton of well, sense. And for instance, like to me, Jordan Hicks just strikes me as an AJ Preller type of guy. And uh, yeah. so like I could see, like a week from now, the Padres signed Jordan Hicks, and it's like Hicks is clearly the guy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I dangerous time to be drafting uh, closers, uh, but uh, perfect guest to have on to break it all down with me, Ryan. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks uh, for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, you want to promote what you got coming up uh, one more time? Yeah. Yeah. So look for my initial 2024 closer rankings, uh, rotowire.com later today. Uh, excited to um, see what you guys think of that. And then um, probably have a, an update or two throughout spring um, and uh, look for closer grid updates as well. I'll be updating the closer and waiting rankings um, and the closer hierarchies as you know the signings occur and get into spring training. So. Awesome stuff, Ryan. Uh, really appreciate everything you do for the site. And thanks again for joining me. Um, have a good uh, rest of your week, everyone. And I'll be back breaking down the international signing class uh, next week uh, with special guests. So stay tuned for that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.